Hey, good morning. Uh, this is Ezra, one of the pastors at Riverside. And if you're watching this video right now, it uh, means that either we've canceled services because of the snowstorm, or maybe you're just stuck at home and unable to get out and join us this morning. Uh, either way, we're really glad uh, that you're taking an opportunity to, to get online and to be able to essentially do church with us uh, from home. There's an incredible power in gathering together, and we love that, and we never want to forsake that. But uh, uh, in opportunities like this, we take advantage of the technology we've been given uh, to gather in a different kind of way. So we appreciate you joining us online this morning. Uh, obviously, we're not going to be able to have the full worship experience that we're used to having, uh, being able to sing and play music together. But I did want to begin uh, with an attitude of worship this morning. Uh, and I want to read to you and share with you from Psalm 148, an, an appropriate psalm for today, as you'll see here in a moment, but uh, says this in Psalm 148, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him, all his angels, praise him, all his hosts, praise him, sun and moon, praise him, all you shining stars, praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. I love that psalm of praise and, uh, and just even the indication in there that even the stormy wind, the snow and the mist uh, have their role to play in praising the Lord, that, that all of his creation praises his name. And, and we're gathering together because we desire to praise him this morning. And so before we dive into the sermon, uh, I just want to share a couple quick announcements with you. Uh, we had a connection launch planned for today. We're going to postpone that uh, until Sunday, January 31st, uh, right after the second service. Uh, if you've recently started attending Riverside or looking to get more connected, uh, we invite you to come out to that, uh, eat some lunch, uh, be able to hang out with some of our staff and leaders and just get to know us a little bit better in an informal way and uh, look to connect. Uh, also, the, uh, Blood Cross, uh, the Red Cross Blood Drive uh, is going to be happening on Monday, uh, the 25th. It's from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. right here at Riverside uh, down in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, great opportunity to, uh, to bless our community, to bless our neighbors. There's a blood shortage right now, and so that's a, an opportunity in a really tangible way to, to bless someone. Um, man, I'm so excited for the word that Keith is going to deliver uh, for us this morning, and, and we're going to have an opportunity to jump into that in just a second. But let me pray for us as we uh, prepare to, uh, to listen to this sermon. Father, open up our hearts uh, to respond to you this morning. As, as Keith shares, I just pray, even though we're not all in a room together, that we'd be united in, in one mind and one heart, seeking after you, seeking to learn and to grow uh, and to come closer to you today, God. We know there's nowhere we can go where we're separated from you. And so wherever we're at this morning worshiping you, we know that you're there uh, with us. Uh, and I pray that you would uh, transform, soften our hearts, help us to grow to be more and more like you today, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks once again for joining us online today. And uh, now we're going to turn it over to Keith for a message from Parables and Miracles.
All righty. Well, I want to say uh, good morning and, and welcome to everyone to Riverside Community Church, the online version. So if you're watching this right now, you're probably at home sitting next to a fire with a hot cup of, uh, with a cup of chocolate. So um, of hot chocolate. So we're, uh, we're excited because we are, we are continuing in our sermon series called Parables and Miracles. And we wanted to use this as an opportunity today to continue to walk through Scripture in this sermon series. And I really want to start off um, this morning by going back to C.S. Lewis. And one of the things I love about C.S. Lewis is C.S. Lewis has a way of sort of explaining some of those biblical truths, but he does it in a way which makes it a little bit easier to understand and more fun to understand. And I read a really interesting article the other day um, that talked about a book that C.S. Lewis had um, in which a lot of his essays were compiled on something called undeceptions, and, and C.S. Lewis talks about undeceptions. It's the word he uses to describe a startling experience of awareness. He says it's moments when deception is uncovered and the cause is seen clearly from within. It's moments when blind spots are replaced with reality. Well, what does that mean? Well, deception is what we do to ourselves. Deception is how we live before we know Christ as our Lord and Savior, because we live with this veil over our faces where we think what we see is all there is. And we live in a world of deception. But undeception is what Christ really does for us, because he has to take the veil and the blindness from our eyes. And that's one of the things that we've seen so far, is what we've seen through the parables, what Jesus is talking about, is the mysteries of the kingdom. And Ezra talked about this the other week where he said in, uh, in Matthew 13, 11, when the disciples came to him, they asked him, why do you speak in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Everything that was formerly hidden is now being revealed, but being revealed by divine revelation. And Jesus is doing it through his words, and Jesus is doing it through his works. The parables are a way of grasping this mystery. The parables are really meant to do two things, to enlighten and to both conceal at the same time. You see, what Jesus is doing is Jesus is preaching, and Jesus is showing things that have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And what I want to look at today in today's scripture is this idea of the kingdom of heaven, but corruption in the kingdom of heaven. It's corruption in the kingdom of heaven. Here is the one thing that I really want you to walk away with today. It's this, that Jesus, who is our true judge, he will be the one to both separate and gather for the kingdom of heaven. When that happens, the question that you have to ask yourself is this. In which group will you be gathered? So before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for this opportunity to go and, and to again dig into your word, Lord. And uh, you know, we talk, talk about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven and how our eyes are being opened up, Lord, and, and and we do that through your word, Father. We thank you because we know it's because of you that we're able to, to see and to understand, to see these things, Father. And we just thank you for that. Lord, we pray that um, we would hear your word, Lord. And again, not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word also, Father. 
um, open our eyes, and clear our hearts and our minds, Lord, to hear from you this morning, Lord. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be um, looking at the parable of the wheat and the tares. We're going to be looking at Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, and then we'll also pick it up in verses 36 through 43. So Matthew 13, 24 through 30, and 36 through 43. And what I'm going to do is I want to start off just by reading it through uh, and going through all of that scripture first, and then we'll sort of take a chance to sort of back up and, and sort of break down what Jesus is saying. So starting off in Matthew 13, 24, it says this. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat among, along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And then we pick up in verses 36 through 43 where Jesus gives the explanation where it says this. It says, then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. And we've talked about Jesus. Jesus is now revealing the mysteries of the kingdom through parables. But I want to actually go back to the very beginning because this, this idea of mysteries and, and, and understanding what's going on, I want to go back to where it says in Genesis 3.15 when God is pronouncing judgment against Satan, when he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And what we see here is ever since the beginning, Satan has been hostile to Jesus. And what Jesus is doing through this parable is he's giving us an idea and he's giving us a clue as to what's happening in the kingdom of heaven where Satan is still being hostile to those, to Jesus and to those who are believers too. Because what Jesus says is this, and I want to go through, Jesus does a great job of explaining what the parable means, but to sort of go a little bit slower and break down what this means again and to look at it from this perspective, what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of heaven is like this. Jesus is the man sowing good seed. To sow literally means to go and to plant seed. And this is different from the parable that we saw a couple weeks ago because in that parable, the seed was the word of God. 
And what, the, what was happening there was being sown on different types of soil in which we hear, we understand, and we bear fruits. We're back into another parable in which we talk about sowing seed again. But Jesus is the good man that is now going out into the field, which is the world. Jesus is sowing believers in the world because the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. Those are believers. Those are the ones that are going and they're bearing good fruit. So as he's going and he's bearing good fruit, and then they go, and overnight an enemy comes in and also sows tares, sows weeds amongst the good seeds. You see, the enemy is Satan. And he's going and he's sowing tares, which are the sons of the evil one. Those are the ones that are considered false believers. Those are the ones that are unbelievers that Jesus is saying in this parable. And both are being sown in the same exact field. So we get this idea of, the, of a big field with all the good seed, and now both are beginning to grow together. And then the next day, or actually when they begin to grow, the servants come and they ask, didn't you go and sow good seed in the field? Because amongst them are the weeds. So they ask and say, well, should we go out and begin to pull up the weeds from the wheat? And the man says, no. The good man says, no, don't do that. Why? Because if in going and pulling up the weeds, you may also pull up the wheat. And what he says is, let them both grow. And at the harvest, which is the end of the age, the reapers, who are the angels, they will come, they will then pull up the weeds, gather them, bundle them, throw them into the fiery furnace, and then gather the wheat and put those into the barn. What he's saying is at the end of the age, that the angels will come, gather all those who are sinful, all those who are lawbreakers are to be removed, gathered and burned, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which means the final judgment. And what will be left is the wheat. What Jesus is saying is, if you have ears, hear this. Because what he's saying is, what I'm telling you is extremely important. Pay attention to what I'm telling you right now. You see, and that leads us to our first point right here. What Jesus is saying is this, that God permits both unbelievers and believers in the world. He permits unbelievers amongst the believers in the world. Because in this parable right here, what he's saying is the kingdom of heaven, in this parable, it's the body of believers in the world. It's the body of believers in this world. It's the spiritual realm. It's Christ's church, those who have given their lives and have received Christ as their Lord and Savior, that body of believers in the world. I want you to just to picture this as Jesus is going and Jesus is planting believers throughout the whole world. That's what's happening right there. Jesus is planting believers in the world. But at the same time that Jesus is going and planting believers and making believers in the world, Satan is doing the same thing too. And he's going and he's sowing tares. He's sowing false believers amongst those believers in the world. The question is, how does he do it? And I want to go back to C.S. Lewis again because if any of you have ever read a book uh, from C.S. Lewis called Screwtape Letters. Screwtape Letters is a book of 31 letters that are written from a senior demon named Screwtape to his nephew named Wormwood, who is a younger, less experienced demon. And Wormwood is charged with guiding a man whom they call the patient. The patient 
and they're guiding him toward whom they call our father below, which is really Satan, and away from the enemy whom they call God. And after the second letter, the patient goes and converts to Christianity, and now Wormwood, the nephew, is chastised for allowing this to happen. And what you see in the remainder of the letters is a contrast between Wormwood and Screwtape and the rest of the book in which Wormwood is depicted as being anxious to try to tempt the patient into these extravagantly wicked and deplorable sins. And what Screwtape is telling him is, no, it's about subtlety. It's about being subtle. It's about being and taking a more subtle stance. You see, when you look at this parable right here, both the weeds and the wheat, they look the same when they're both young. You see, there's a weed, there's a weed, if you go out in the field, there's a weed in which they call Darnell. And when you look at it, it looks the same exact way as wheat. When they're both young, you can't tell the difference. You see, it's easy to tell when someone is outwardly sinful. It's easy to tell that. But how about when someone is inwardly sinful? How do we tell the difference between them? And when we look at the parable that Jesus is telling, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, okay, what exactly is good seed? What exactly is wheat? Those are whom we consider the true believers. Those are, number one, they have given their life to Christ. They have received the free gift of salvation from Christ. And they live in the world, and they abide in Jesus. You see, that's what Jesus is saying in John 15. Abiding literally means they allow his word to fill our minds and to direct our will and to transform our affections. And they go, and through abiding through Jesus and staying close to Jesus and abiding in his word, they go and they bear fruit. And that's what Ezra was talking about when he gave the definition before. He said it's literally doing God's will in God's strength for God's glory. These are people who have received the free gift of salvation they abide in Christ, and they begin to go and to bear fruit. Those are the good seed. That is the believers. The question is now, well, then what are the weeds? The weeds are false believers. These are those who look like wheat. They may be people who profess to be Christians, but inwardly they're sinful. Inwardly they're wicked. They don't abide in, abide in Jesus' words. People who may be um, doubters. You know, even subtly, or those who, who find salvation in themselves. I, I'm trying to be morally good, and I may look good on the outside, but the inside I have not received the free gift of eternal salvation, and I don't abide in Christ because Christ doesn't hold that over me. Christ, I, I haven't lived my life for Christ and listened to Christ. It's maybe those who look morally good, and have the belief that, you know, every road leads to God. But the most important thing is they have not received eternal salvation, which comes through Christ, and are not filled in the Holy Spirit. And what the devil is trying to do is place those false believers in the midst of believers in this world to lead many people astray. And the way that Satan does it is he does it a lot of times even through subtlety. You see, that was the very story of Adam and Eve in the beginning. Because what Satan said to them was, did God really say? Trying to put 
doubt in their minds, trying to doubt what God said. That's the way Satan works. And he tried the same thing with Jesus, but this time he was actually speaking to the Word himself, who understood Scripture because it was about him. But that's the way that Satan works, is he wants to place those who are considered false believers and not believers in the midst of those who are believers in the world. And this is not something new, because Paul and, and John, the apostle, they dealt with the same thing when it came to false prophets and when it came to those who were the Gnostics during their time. It was taking what the scripture said and just trying to deviate from that slightly. Looking like they're morally good, but on the inside, they were wicked. If you ever want to read a, a good book in the Bible which talks about what, what does a believer really look like, go to 1 John, because this is what John says in 1 John 4. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. And we see the same thing today. This is the first question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I a wheat or am I weed? Am I wheat or am I weed? The other question is, then why does God allow both in the world? You see, point number one, it's both unbelievers. God allows both unbelievers and believers to be in this world together. Number two is this. It's not our job to divide. It's Christ's job to divide in judgment. You see, all authority has been given to him. And that's what Jesus is saying in the parable. It's not the job of the servants, but it's the job of the reapers to go and to gather and to separate those who rejected Christ. You know, I think about my own house, and for many of you who have who have ever seen my house and seen my backyard, I'm just grateful for anything to grow in the backyard. But there are weeds in my backyard, and oftentimes I've gone and tried to pull up the weeds, and when I'm trying to pull up the weeds, I'm also pulling up what little grass there is, too. And incidentally, when I try to go and plant seed, it's frustrating to go in my house and then look out the window and see the birds eating the seed, too. So, but that's a whole other thing. But in the midst of trying to pull up the weeds, I end up pulling up some of the grass, too. You see, what Jesus is saying in this parable right here, the reason why it's up to him to divide in judgment is because we can't tell the difference when they're both young. When the weeds and the wheat are both young, they look the same, and we can't tell the difference. And when we pull up both, in trying to pull up the one, we may go and damage the other. We may go and damage the weak. What we are called to do in the church is to discipline those in the church when we see someone who is an unrepentant sinner within the church body, in the church, that we're to go and discipline them. But when it comes to the world, when it comes to the field, it's not our job to gather and divide, or to divide and gather. That's not our job because we can't tell the difference when they're young and we may end up pulling both and damaging the young wheat. And you look at examples in history of when the church has tried to go out and to, to, to 
gather themselves. You see the crusades and you see the witch hunts that we can't see. You know, I think often back to my own experience when I first um, was going to church and, and, and received Christ as my, my Lord and Savior. And uh, I remember always thinking to myself, man, this is, this is awesome. Man, I've never been going to church and trying to do the right thing. I have no problems in my life. And I look now, and it's funny to hear someone say that, but I think as I was just immature, I just didn't know. And I can imagine if, if somebody heard me walking around saying that and telling it to other people, they may have thought that I was a false believer. They may have thought that I may have been a weed myself. But you know what? I was immature, and I was young. And that's what the thing is, is when somebody is young in their belief, we may not be able to tell the difference between somebody who is a weed and somebody who is young weed. And that's not our job to do it. Jesus himself knows the difference. And we, I know that we've given this uh, scripture quote before in this sermon series, but it's so important to hear it again because it's what Jesus says in Matthew 7 when he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, what he's saying is not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's only those who have received the gift of salvation and then go and they begin to bear fruit because they abide in Christ and do the will of of God. But there's many people who will say, but wait a minute, I took communion. And I used to say Hail Marys every day. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Because I never knew you, never knew me as your Lord and Savior. Jesus sees the heart. Jesus can see the heart and not just the outside. And this famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, who says, Literally, it's the outwardly wicked there to be removed by the church from the church. But it's those who are outwardly good, but inwardly wicked. Leave them to Christ to judge, because Christ judges the heart. And what Jesus is saying in this parable right here is that they will be judged, and they will be judged in due time by the one who goes and sows good seed, which is him. And the disciples ask, when will that time be? And he says, nobody knows that but the Father. You see, this and that time is the fulfillment of what God was saying in Genesis 3.15. It's his seed, Christ's seed versus the serpent's seed. That all along this time there's been enmity in between the two of them. Christ is the righteous judge. Christ is the one that knows whether somebody is a wheat or weed, not on the basis of what they've done, not on the basis of what they look like, but on the basis of those who have placed their faith in him for salvation. You see, the history of Israel is one of mixing idol worship with Judaism because they didn't know God, and eventually they were judged. And it was through them, and what God was doing through that was to bring the true judge who would come and take the punishment so that we didn't have to. Jesus 
is the very best seed. Why? Because Jesus was the one that came and lived in the world amongst the weeds. Jesus is the one that went and loved others, but he told them the truth about the judgment day. And Jesus is the one to, that is worthy to be our judge. Why? Because he gave his life on the cross for us. And what we're called to do, what we are called to do is, number one, is understand that there are weeds that live amongst the wheat in this world. Number two is that we have to live as salt and light. We've got to live as light in this community to point people to Christ. And we have to go and to spread the gospel message, which is the truth in this field, in the world. And we do it in love. And when it comes to judgment, we leave judgment to Christ. Who is the true judge? And maybe most importantly, is to make sure that you are wheat. You are wheat. How do we become wheat? Well, Paul says in Romans, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation, it's a free gift from God. There's nothing that you have to do. There's no works that you have to do to achieve salvation. All have fallen short of the glory of God, and you cannot earn it. You've got to confess that you've sinned. You've got to admit that you've sinned, and you've lived your life apart, life apart from God. And then you've got to repent. Repent is literally it's a changing of your mind. It's turning away from my sin and looking toward Christ and thinking the way that Christ does and looking at it the way that you're looking at your sin, the way that Christ does and then it's believing that Jesus died and rose again to forgive you. And we receive that by faith. You see, believers and unbelievers will be in the same world. God allows both to be there. It's Christ's job to divide in judgment. And then point number three is that the righteous will then be gathered together and brought into God's presence. You see, like any good farmer, the weeds will be then separated, gathered and bundled, and then burned while the good wheat will be put into the barn. And God will own them as his own children. And the righteous will shine like the sun as they exhibit the glory of Christ, and they'll really be in his, the kingdom of heaven. You see, what Jesus is showing us through this parable is there's really two paths. One path is to be part of God's kingdom in which we shine like the sun. That's the wheat. The other path is the path of the fiery furnace. That's the weeds. And Jesus tells us, let those who have ears, let them hear. Understand, Satan will always be going and sowing bad seed in the field amongst the wheat. Become a good seed. Receive the free gift of eternal salvation and then go and bear fruit by abiding in Christ and go and proclaim this news to others. And we leave the judgment to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, for continuing to give us the word. And, and even if it's a hard truth for us to understand, Lord, we are we are hit oftentimes by so many subtle things, Lord, that say, well, maybe Jesus isn't the way. Or there's many ways, and, and, and you know, we don't have to give our lives to Christ. I'm a good person. 
And what you're saying, Jesus, is there's going to become a time in which there is a judgment. And I want to just offer this opportunity to anybody who is, who is listening to this. And if you have not received the free gift of eternal salvation, I just want to lead you through a prayer in which you can do that. It's just that it's a free gift and it's done through faith. And I just want to have you pray along and you can pray right there where you are right now. And just to, to say, Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I've lived my whole life apart from you. Jesus, I'm repenting from my sins. I'm turning away from my sins and turning toward you. I believe that you died and rose again to forgive me. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. And I ask this and I pray this in your name, Jesus.